Welcome to Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast presented by AKG. Just as one revoices a chord, Revoicing the Future creates a completely new perspective on the invaluable notes that make up the whole. It will uplift women's voices in the music products industry, which have earned their time to be the root of the chord. Once a month, you can catch productive and valuable conversations with women working in manufacturing, retail, the nonprofit sector, music education, touring, and overall women who inspire us. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry, one interval at a time. This podcast is co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie Lamond, and Julia Olson. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Revoicing the Future. I'm your host, Natalie Morrison. Thank you for tuning in, as always. Happy Valentine's Day. The day this goes live, it'll be Valentine's Day. I hope you're having a wonderful day full of love. I'm sending all of my love to each and every one of you. I'm so excited about today's episode. I don't really have that much to update you on except to stay tuned for all the NAM announcements and what's going on at the NAM show this year. Follow us on social media. You know the drill. Our deep dives happen every other month. So if you weren't a part of January's deep dive, be sure to keep an eye out for, I believe the next one's going to be in March. And we'd love to see you there and share with your friends and your colleagues who you think might benefit from participating. Anyway, today's episode I'm very excited about because I got the chance to sit down and have a wonderful conversation with Leanne Chu. She is the Director of Supplier Operations for Gator Cases. And I want everyone to get ready for this one because so many beautiful stories and lessons and observations were shared about growth and being your best self and mentorship. And we spent a lot of time around the conversation of mentorship and its importance. And I just think Leanne brings such a unique perspective and conversation to the table. And I am so excited for everyone else to get to experience this little ray of sunshine that is Leanne. So with that said, I want everyone to sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode, and I'll see you next time. Hi, Leanne. Welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you. Thank you. All right, Leanne, let's start from the beginning. So you're originally from Hong Kong, and I know you came to Boston to go to Berkeley to study music. So tell us your story of coming to the U.S. and why you chose the music industry and what do you love about your work in it? Sure. So I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, literally never stepped foot in the States until I was 16, I think. And it was for a summer vacation with my family to Vegas, which, by the way, was what I expected college to be like, since it was my <laughs> only impression of America before coming here to school. Um, poor parents, they were so worried. Um, but Boston did not disappoint. I love that it was just um, such a big melting pot of people, mostly students from all over the world. And I guess what made it really fun, though, was having that melting pot in a contemporary music school. 
because, you know, you get to show up for your new band practice for the semester and you have this student from India who can sing in these beautiful microtones and these complex rhythms and other students from China with a pentatonic instrument. And then you get the writers who can piece them all together and end up, you know, creating something really beautiful musically. So it was just really fun. And I was constantly overwhelmed by the talents that were around me. So personally, I studied um, or my major was called contemporary music writing and production. And mm. I also chose to specialize in writing for new media. So specifically for media platforms like radio, commercials, and television. So this is what I always knew I wanted to do since I was a little kid because I grew up in a 400 square feet apartment in Hong Kong. Wow. And um, my upright piano took up all of the space. So it was literally my desk too, you know, because there's no space. So I, ha- I put down the lid and then, you know, that's where I did my homework. And that's also where I hang out. I'm not a lot of toys. So I would play the piano for fun. So when I hear something on the TV, I would try to play it back on the piano by ear. So that was kind of like my fun as a little kid. I love that. Yeah, I know. It's like, who are these people writing jingles, right? Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I guess when I really started connecting with music was when I was 15. I had just recovered from a pretty serious illness that put me out of school for two years. And I was hospitalized for one. And I just remember I was so excited to go back to school only to find that all of my friends had moved on without me, right? It was two years. And they weren't in the same class anymore. They made new friends. So at that time, I just felt really lonely. And I would lock myself away from people during the breaks because I can't go home. I'm at school. There are practice rooms available with a piano. So piano really calmed me down and stopped my brain from thinking negative thoughts because you know how when you're focused on the music or any form of art, really, your your brain doesn't have room for anything else. So it was really therapeutic for me, and I ended up developing an interest in writing because I ended up writing a few songs myself. So at that point, I knew that music is something that I wanted to pursue professionally. So I just followed my passion and came to the States all by myself to a foreign country, spoke very limited English. Thinking back, it was such a big undertaking, but you're too young to understand. (laughs) Then after college, I had... Always thought I would go back to Hong Kong, but I think it was my second last semester. I started dating a guy who is now my husband of 10 years. And long story short, I moved down to Tampa where he's from soon after I graduated. And I did about two years of freelance work writing for music libraries, teaching piano and so on. And during that time, I actually also worked with my husband's family to start a food truck that had a rock music theme. That's so cool. <laughs> what, wait, what kind of food? A pan-Asian food truck and all the menu items were named after some musical theme. So like we had the kamikaze fries and boombox <laughs> and motley q it was yeah and then we uh, had these lights and speakers blasting music everywhere we went and turn every night event into a dance club it was super fun oh my god that's amazing super fun although very tough because i think i passed out on the truck three times in the florida <laughs> heat while being cooked between a grill and a commercial deep fryer oh my god <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, I think that experience reminded me of how much I love to be around people because I had worked from home as a freelancer for two years at that point. And I just moved to Tampa. So I didn't really have a lot of friends. So at that point was when I started looking for a job and see what's out there. And I was ready to take on something on the non-creative side, but I knew I wanted to stay in the realm of the music industry, right? Even the food truck, it was, you know, it was around that. Yeah. And then I came across Gator. At that time, you know, the headquarter was only five minutes away from my house. So I applied for the only job that was available. And then I was just really drawn to the energy at Gator since day one. Amazing. Oh, so stemming from the part that you got to Gator, you've been with them since 2015, and you've worked your way up and are now the director of supplier Mm -hmm. operations. So we already kind of touched on your career journey, but how did you start with the company and how did you end up where you are today? Sure. So I actually started at Gator, like I said, the only job available in customer service. I was literally picking up phone calls every day, answering and user emails, mailing out physical invoices at the end of the day. Very different from what I'm doing right now. And after a period of leave due to my health, I returned to Gator and actually started a new role in product development. And that was really the start of my journey at Gator. So I went from being the project coordinator to a project manager. During that time, I kind of focused on building new processes for various product teams. And then after we put these new systems and tools in place, I shifted my focus on hiring and building up our team in China because we realized that they bring a lot of value to the table. And at that point, I was promoted to the China team manager. And then the pandemic hit and things were slowing down with a lot of unknowns. And the CEO of our company challenged us to use that time to make some internal process improvements that perhaps were too difficult to execute when things were running full tilt. So it was at that time I again took on a new role and was tasked to form a new department at Gator called Supplier Operations, which functions to manage all of our suppliers overseas in different areas like pricing, shipping on time, product development, quality, contracts, so forth and so on. And I have to say, even though stepping into the supply chain world during the pandemic was not <laughs> fun at all. I remember going to the summit at that time. Everybody was like, please give Leanne a hug right now. <laughs> oh my God. I, I can't even imagine that. I know. It was, it was insane. But it felt really good to be challenged and be a part of a team that keeps up the fight with the positive attitude. Because you asked me earlier, right, what I love about my work. And I think that the positive energy that we have at Gator is really what I love the most. Everyone in the company had to put on new hats during the pandemic. And I think I was just lucky enough that these opportunities just lined up and formed a path to where I am today. And of course, the one thing that tied these opportunities together was the right attitude. I always love a good challenge. And Mm. the idea of finding ways to do something better always excites me. So I think this quality just served me really well in my career, especially in a company that's constantly looking for ways to do new things. It was an eight-year journey at this point, and getting where I am was a lot of hard work, but there was a tremendous growth that I absolutely enjoyed along the way. So I'm going to touch on that growth in a second. But I think it's a really cool full circle moment for you almost because 
you came to the U.S. to go to school, and then your intention was to go back to Hong Kong, and now you're interfacing with your suppliers overseas, and I know that you coordinate and travel over there. So I feel like that's such a cool full circle moment for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm lucky because since my job does require traveling to China, every time I go back, I can swing by home to see my family. So I would be at a factory and I would look up the map. I was like, mom and dad, I'm only like this far away from you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So let's go back to this idea of growth. So you mentioned this growth you experienced. So can you expand on that a little bit more? What have you learned about yourself throughout this journey? Absolutely. I learned a lot. (laughs) Well, obviously I learned a lot working my way up to where I am today in terms of all the knowledge and skills that I need. But I think the growth that I was referring to is more about me in a younger self growing out of my insecurities as I move up the company. So growing out of those thoughts of like being young, being a female, being less experienced than everybody else. I think to some extent, those insecurities really pushed me to become better because they pushed me to think a little more about how I should carry myself at work as my role changed, to work harder on the things I need to improve on. And that's okay. But I guess there was a good while when I spent a lot of time overthinking about the way I was perceived. Like, you know, do I appear competent enough to be in my role? Because my growth happened pretty quickly. Mm. Should I have been more confident, more this and that, or less this or that, to a point where I could only focus on what was going wrong and never how well things were going. And I think when you're so insecure about yourself, you lose some of your authenticity too. And I absolutely hated that experience. So one of the pivotal things I learned about myself, as an example, is that my professionalist nature was really crippling me, right? My company entrusted me with this position today because of my abilities, along with all the things that they expect me to learn still, but still I want to be the best at it by tomorrow. That's me. I'm very Mm -hmm. impatient and I don't let time do its thing. And over the years, I think that really, I cut really close to burning myself out. And worse yet, because I'm so type A, I just never see myself as good enough. And that was super exhausting. Preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) So when I say growth, I mean that anytime you see a problem, I make a conscious effort to change. So with this example, I had to just reflect a lot. I had to remember to remind myself that People will respect you for your work ethics, your attitude, your dedication, even if it takes a while for them to do so. And if they don't, that's a statement about them and not you, right? You did everything you could. And in fact, people who really are your allies will help you through these insecurities. One of the best feedback I've gotten was when someone at work told me that something I said during a meeting was maybe a little bit too humble almost like I was putting myself down and that I could have been more assertive. As I was having all these doubts about myself, how I was doing, I got this feedback and I can't tell you how much I appreciated it, right? Because I was so unsure about how I performed. Right. So later I started experimenting with 
being more assertive and eventually just got comfortable with that. So now I'm still my authentic self, but I'm just adjusting to the environment. So I think it's important too to find people that I trust to be my allies and open up to them about my weaknesses so they can look out for me as we interact together at work. And I'm just lucky that I have many of those people at work. (laughs) And I'm not saying that I've completely gotten away from feeling insecure today, but I just love the fact that I'm not crippled by it like I was before. I love that I grew as a person. And now that I've learned that about myself, that I tend to only focus on where I need to improve or the next thing I need to work on, I've also been working on recognizing and celebrating small wins. I try to stop and think about the progress that I've made and feel good about myself. Everything that you just (laughs) said is just pure gold. One thing that I remember reading in a book, I don't remember which book it was. I might have to find it. But it was that perfectionism is actually our biggest hindrance, even though that we think that it can be a strength. Yes, absolutely. I think someone dropped that book or drop that book in one of those deep dives because apparently a lot of us are professionals (laughs) (laughs) i am and it's so true like we can get in our own heads a lot of the time and that hinders that growth of like accepting feedback or taking on the things that we need to work on and grow because no one's perfect. No one's ever going to be perfect. And at any course in our lives, career, personal, like there's always room for us to grow. So I think that that's so powerful that you were able to figure that out and use that to your advantage. Yeah. I wouldn't say I figured it out completely, (laughs) but (laughs) But um, I do try to remind myself more than before. Yes, you're more aware of it. Yes. Yes, yes. Because all of my worries are still facts. You know, I'm still young. I'm still a female. I'm still inexperienced compared to some others. But I've just, I started reminding myself a lot more that today I am where I am because I worked hard. I am now the subject matter expert. So I need to be proud of that. And um, it has done wonders for me. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. So I want to kind of pivot the conversation a little bit to focus on mentorship because Mm -hmm. you have a close bond with Crystal Morris, who is the CEO of Gator. And she has taken you under her wing and has been molding you into the leader that you are today. So Can you give us a picture of your relationship with her and what are some of the best things that you've learned from her over the years? Things I've learned from her. This is going to take two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Crystal is a mentor to me who really teaches by example. She is an unstoppable leader, always seeking out for new opportunities, the next missions or the next game, as she would call it. But one of the best leadership skills that I learned from her is actually humility. She is absolutely our visionary who steers the ship, but just as much as she looks ahead, she actually also walks alongside to work with us a lot and sometimes learn with us. I remember one of the first times that I had to work on a project with her and she asked me to do something. 
And I was really new in my role and I didn't know how to do it, like no clue. And I knew there was no way that I could figure it out before the deadline. And you know how you always want to be at your best when you're in front of your managers or boss? Yes. You know, you don't want to give them any reasons to think that you're not the best at your job or you don't want to review any weaknesses if you don't have to. I think that's very common. So I was kind of disappointed at that time that I had no choice but to go up to her and admit that I don't know how to do this. And when I told her that, her response was, yeah, I'm not actually sure how to do it either. (laughs) But here's what I'm thinking. Actually, why don't we do it together? So then we literally sat together and figured it out together by helping each other fill out the blanks. So I think one of the magical things about being around Crystal is that I feel super comfortable around her just being my authentic self. Mm -hmm. It is okay to be open and honest about my weaknesses with her as she is with us. It is okay to not be perfect and ask for support. It is okay to be stupid every once in a while because she makes you feel more valued for your curiosity and willingness to learn than your actual knowledge because she knows that you can learn and expand. That's not what she worries about as a leader. And the fact that the CEO of the business would take the time to sit with you and learn something together, that's, you know, that's pretty amazing. That's amazing. So now whenever there's something that I don't understand or want to learn more about, I can just go to her and ask. I don't have to pretend that I don't know something that I don't. And, you know, honestly, as much as I want to grow, I don't have to pray or dream about one day some doors are going to magically open for me because I know she's invested in me already. So I can really just focus on working hard and see where it takes me. And that's the humility that I was referring to. And it's funny that you asked me to share a picture because... I literally have a visual that I think describes our relationship well. I had actually made this into a little desk display for her as a gift. I wanted to show you this. Okay. Oh, that's so cute. This is a desk display. So this display has two gators, like the animal alligators, because the audience cannot see this picture, sitting on a tandem bike. So the message was that she's this unstoppable leader, right? Who's been riding this bike forever. But despite the fact that I may slow her down, she invited me to ride along with her in the back. And because of her, even though I'm inexperienced, I could never fall, right? Because when you're on the tandem bike, you know, as long as the one person keeps pedaling along, the other person doesn't fall. And When we go through a rough path, she shows me how she sweats up the hills and uses different gears she has available to show that it really is through hard work that you persist through something challenging. And it is on a car where you can just step on your gas pedal because in the world of business, she really demonstrates that she is the real engine, you know, the rider. She really has to put forth the hard work to carry us a long way. And it is because of her that the slower rider I was, I am, was able to travel so much further and faster and saw so much more than I could ever imagine if I were to ride alone. That's so beautiful. My God, you got really emotional there. But it is very true. (laughs) Such a beautiful (laughs) anecdote and like metaphor of your relationship with her and just her relationship with the business. But isn't that all mentorship, right? You know, when you find a mentor that really supports you, that, you know, that's the person pedaling in front of you. 
Oh, that's amazing. And above all, too, Crystal taught me how to enjoy the ride and have fun because oh. she is always fun. And she truly lifts Gator with us, you know, laughs with us, works with us, pushes us, learns with us. And at the same time, you know, being in the driver's seat, making it all happen. And I think translating that into the real world, Crystal really saw, just saw me in a better light than I could myself and went out of her way to help me realize my potential. She helped me become something more than I had the courage to become by instilling her confidence in me before I had my own. So that's just another great leadership trait that she taught me because a great leader sees greatness in other people and empowers them to become more. Mm. So beautifully stated. Thank you. (laughs) I've really worked hard in the last few years too to create this same dynamic with my team in Asia, empowering them to speak their minds and not feel judged, explore new ideas in their areas and feel supported. It's especially true when they're so far away from me. I don't get the luxury of being there for them. So I think empowering them to speak to me the way that Chris has allowed me to openly speak to her was very helpful as I grew into a leader. And I think that's also what the beauty of mentorship is as well, is that what you learn from your mentor, you hope that you can pass along Mm -hmm. those same teachings to your mentees when you, whenever you get mentees or your teammates or whatever. I think that's, I think that's just the beautiful, like full circle equation of mentorship. Yeah, when you have great mentors like that, I think you're so grateful that you naturally want to give back. Right, of course. You want that for other people around you. I feel that way. I've been lucky to have a bunch of mentors in my life at the beginning of my career, and I'm excited to give that back to others because of the investment that people had and that they saw in me and my potential in my future. So exactly. Yay, Crystal. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So you did share an example, but is there another moment that you can remember when it was invaluable to have her in your corner as a mentor? There were so many. I guess going off of what we talked about earlier too, you know, my insecurities in the early stage of my career, it was really helpful to have her in my corner. I remember, for example, giving a presentation to, I think, the entire company or something. And as I looked around the room, I'm sure everybody has had this moment before, but I couldn't quite tell if people were interested or feeling bored. And then my insecurities just kicked in and I started thinking, this is going so bad. Oh my God, this happens to me all the time. (laughs) I know, right? Or like, okay, something I said must be really wrong. Or like, that joke was not funny. Like you're thinking through all these things as you're talking, right? Looking back is so silly, but you know, we all go through stages like this. And I just remember looking around the room and then finally I got to Crystal and her eyes were fixed on my presentation. And as I went on, I saw, you know, she smiled, she was nodding, she reacted to the things I said. And I think even after the presentation, she texted and said, great job. It's like, who takes the time to do that, right? Right. And at that time, I just really appreciated the respect that she had for my work because, you know, we don't think about these things. 
Yeah, they're small things. But as a leader and mentor to someone, you have to remember these things. Remember that people look to you for that confidence boost and, you know, how you interact with them day to day, even in a group setting or in a presentation has a huge effect on them. And I think Crystal really did that for me. It's that she's constantly being aware of how much I need her support. So when I'm speaking, she is fully attentive. And she is also very good at making sure that everyone is included. So during meetings, she would always ask people for their opinions. And there were instances I remember where she would speak and then clear the air just so she can say, Leanne, what do you think? Because she knows that I have something to say, but I couldn't quite break the silence or break the other conversations. So I get to share my thoughts too. That's good. And when she senses that I don't actually have anything good to say, she's very good at picking that up too and making sure that I don't feel embarrassed. So yeah, and then she also connects me to the right people later on if I obviously didn't know something and I need to learn something. And um, she would email that person and say, hey, can you catch Leanne up on something? So we talked about gaining respect from other people, but having her there with me just made it that much easier. That's amazing. I'm thinking back to what you said earlier about not sure if people were taking in what you were saying in a presentation. I feel like because of this virtual meeting life that we've kind of instilled in ourselves because of COVID, it makes it that much harder to feel like people are connected Mm -hmm. to what you're saying in presentations because the muted silence Mm -hmm. it's deafening sometimes because you're like uh yes (laughs) (laughs) it's getting better though it's so nice to hear that she puts all this time and effort into like the small things because Mm -hmm. it is the small things in my opinion Mm -hmm. is something that I personally value a lot more than the bigger things like the little things to help like push me forward and cheer me on is what Mm -hmm. really like fuels my energy to do Mm -hmm. better so I love that that's something that she values as well it's cool yeah I hope everyone can find a mentor like this yes I love that. So obviously she's had a great influence on your journey to become a leader for your team. So speaking about your team, I'm really interested to know what it's like working with an international team. How do you balance your work in different time zones and keeping yourself grounded and centered? Great question. So yes, I have a team of six, soon to be seven on the other side of the world who are 13 hours ahead of me. So as we speak right now, it's nighttime, obviously, it's morning time. They also live in separate parts of China and Vietnam, and their jobs are very different. So they're really just each one of them is in a very different area. It was very challenging at first because everything that we talked about just now, on top of managing the work itself, I also put a lot of effort into making sure that they feel motivated and didn't feel lonely because obviously they all work alone away from each other. And so I have to stay very close to what they're doing every day because I want them to feel engaged and that they're a part of a bigger team that we have in Tampa and not just executors, right? Because we're talking about motivating them and having a voice. And I don't want them to just feel like I'm giving them an instruction. They just have to do it for the day and that's their job. But 
Like you said, this comes with the very tricky task of balancing my work and other things. I've gotten up in the middle of the night just to make sure that certain things that needed happen, happen before the end of their day. I stay up very frequently to start off their day with the right mission and adequate instructions. But I think mostly I stay grounded by staying organized, which seems like the right answer to say. (laughs) 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 And and keeping boundaries with my time. That's something that is easy to say, but very hard to do. Uh I literally, I have I block out certain times of my day to make sure that I have my priorities taken care of and I don't leave work until I know exactly what my plans are when I meet my team in Asia in the evenings and I give myself enough time in between to do my personal stuff. And I also set boundaries with my team, like no calls after 11 p.m. unless your house is on fire, which I still can't help you. (laughs) 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 But once you set those boundaries (laughs) with with people and your own schedule, I think you're like a well-oiled machine always on task because you have a plan. Yeah. Otherwise, you lose focus and now you panic about the million things you need to attend to. But really, you've been doing those a million things all along. It's just because you lost the momentum and... Now you're freaking out. I hate that because I know that when I lose my momentum, I see that my team does too. Because literally they're waiting for me to Mm -hmm. let them know what's the plan for the week. So being organized, staying a planner is how I stay grounded with managing a remote team when I don't have the luxury of being there with them. How often are you traveling? I mean, COVID has probably slowed (laughs) that down a lot. but Yeah, well... Mm, two, three times a year, I think would be normal. But obviously, it's as needed to, you know, maybe we have this brand new factory that we just developed new products with, we want to be there to check it out before anything happens. Yeah, so I would say two, three times a year, obviously, during COVID, none. I tried <laughs> a few times, honestly, because my, my family is in Hong Kong. I ha- I spent three days traveling there in quarantine for 21 days. Oh my gosh. And I still couldn't get in China. And you still couldn't get in? No, oh, I, I went into Hong Kong, but they right. if I were to go to China, I have to quarantine in other 21 days. So I was like, no. Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. The only the only thing I gained from it was being in the same time zone with my team, which was different. That, but yeah. But then my team in Tampa is on the other side, so I never win. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's a full circle moment, like we talked about at the beginning. Of, yeah. Like, <laughs> so, well, now I guess now that we're talking about time management, um, I know from our own personal conversations that you have several professional certificates, and you just completed your MBA. I love that you're cheering for me. I am. I'm always (laughs) cheering for you, Leanne. I'm in your corner. (laughs) Yay. So despite the busy schedule, you received the Bernice Ash Award. I do. (gasps) Yay. Why do you think education is important, especially now that you've been going back to school? And do you recommend it to others in the industry? Well, I don't think anybody can argue that education is not important. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Isn't there a saying that goes like, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying or something really dark? Yeah. (laughs) You have to learn something new every day. Yes. 
But, you know, I never actually put any thoughts into how far I want to go with my education. Getting my MBA was not in any shape or form planned. But what happened, I think, was as my role kept growing at Gator, I just kept finding new things that I wanted to learn that would benefit my new responsibilities. And I would find myself sitting in a room with colleagues who've been doing this for years. And I had to try really hard to keep up because there were just things that I wasn't familiar with, you know, maybe certain aspects of our business or business concepts or even terminology sometimes, or like some that we invented ourselves. <laughs> but I would have to ask questions after the meeting to clarify one thing, to understand another. So one thing we, again, we talked about was gaining respect from other people. And I think the best way to do that is to show your willingness to learn when you don't understand and really showing that you're going to do what it takes to become a contributing member of the team. So I don't just go to school for the sake of going to school. It's not fun. (sighs) (laughs) I do it because I don't want to just get by at work. I want to be as sharp as everybody else and contribute. You know, we all worked hard in our journey to get this far into the leadership position we're in. And we absolutely deserve the best from each other. And I just have to say, like, the feeling that you get when you look back and realize how much you've expanded as a person is amazing, Mm -hmm. right? To watch yourself become more each day is such an incredible thing. And I say it with so much passion because I often think back to the time that I was critically ill. And had I not made it, then I wouldn't have known the person I am today. And I am a better person today than yesterday. And I would just hate to not have seen or experienced myself today. It would be so sad. So I would say, you know, would I recommend it? Maybe not exactly an MBA if you don't need it. But whatever inspires you to reach new heights, maybe it's education, a degree, or even a hobby. Pick up a new instrument. I've always learned to learn cello and I'm still beating myself up for not picking it up. It's never not worth it, right? You only regret the things that you didn't do. Exactly. You only live once. Yes. Make the most of life. Yes. I love that sentiment, though, that you have around wanting to better yourself and growing, again, growing as a leader to be your best self in front of your team and Mm -hmm. your colleagues. I think that's so inspiring, truly. So I applaud you for that. Thank you. All right. Last question. What advice would you give others that could help them grow in the music industry, especially other women? Because this is for women of NAM and other people coming from other countries. Anything you feel you wish you would have known or have been told from the get go? Everyone has a different journey. And some of the best things that I learned may not apply to everyone. But if I were to give... One advice to just anyone who's seeking to growth in the industry. And to kind of wrap up some of the things that we talked about too, I would say if you don't already have a support system within the industry, please go find it. Do you need it? You can probably argue you don't, but once you have it, and we know this, right? Yeah. Once you have it, you know you need it. You need to find those people 
You can call to talk about your challenges at work, who can offer guidance and friendships in times that you need it. And the people who remind you to stop and celebrate those small successes like, you know, my friends do for me. And everybody needs that. But I think I think you would agree, too, that our industry just offers so much of that that you have to take advantage of it. You know, we're talking about women of NAM. We have YP. Once you throw yourself out there, people are going to embrace you. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes, you know, maybe it's because we're so many of us are musicians and we speak the same musical language that obviously brings people together. So we naturally have this camaraderie that is very unique to this industry. And there are so many wonderful networks of people who have taken from this industry and are so ready to give back, to help others the same way that they were helped, to pick up new opportunities that they have created. And I'm just so lucky that I have my cheerleaders right where I work, people that I know genuinely want me to succeed, but I also have these amazing friendships in the industry who are a phone call away, Natalie included, that I know I can count on to lift me up when I need. So find your support, find that space where your voice can be heard, where you feel uplifted, find your cheerleaders. And most importantly, bring your best attitude, come in ready to learn and grow, be open to receive feedback and give what you have to give. You can start with your own company, right? Who can be your mentor and who can you mentor? We'll make it a full circle. Yes. Here, here. Yay. Oh, Leanne, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. You bring such an amazing perspective to the table. And I have been in awe of you since I was first introduced to you. And after spending a lot more time with you recently, I just, I'm truly in awe of you. And you're doing amazing things and you're just an inspiration to all. So thank you for being you. Likewise, thank you. Telling your story and agreeing to let me ask you questions for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for letting me be on here. I've been like listening to this ever since it started. I was like, I think I gotta be on here. Yay! (laughs) And you did. We made it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Revoicing the Future. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major streaming platforms or visit our website. Be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Women of NAM. This episode was co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie Lamond, and Julia Olson. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry one interval at a time. See you next time.